Hi, welcome to Siegel and Gale Says, a podcast highlighting our brand consultants' points of view in audio format. I'm Daniel Alonso, a member of the marketing team at Siegel and Gale. Siegel and Gale is a preeminent brand strategy, design, and experience firm. For the last 50 years, we have helped build the world's leading brands through strategies, stories, and experiences that are elegantly simple and unexpectedly fresh. When organizations have complex brand building questions, whether around mergers and acquisitions, strategic positioning, brand identity, experience, or growth, they turn to our experts. In this episode, our West Coast General Manager, Katie Conway, Group Director of Experience, Jared Fink, and Group Director of Brand-Led Change, Gretchen Hustis, lead an in-depth conversation that examines how companies can build distinct and compelling brand-led experiences that create lasting impact. This is Siegel and Gale Says. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unlocking Brand, our virtual event series where our brand consultants deliver actionable insights, host live case studies, and answer questions on the topics that matter to brand marketers today. In each episode, we unlock one topic from the world of brand. And today, we'll be focusing on how to build a brand fit for the future. My name is Katie Conway, General Manager of Siegel and Gale West Coast, and I'm joined today by my colleagues Gretchen Hustis, our Group Director of Brand-Led Change, and Jared Fink, our Group Director of Experience. Gretchen, Jared, and I will lead an in-depth conversation that explores how brands can create distinct and compelling experiences that create lasting impact. Before we dive in, I'm gonna share a little bit about Siegel and Gale and our overall philosophy on brand building. We are the simplicity company. We believe that brands that are simple and clear are the brands that stand out, grow, and endure. And to us, simplicity isn't about minimalism or stark design. It's about the value that simplicity can bring to your organization and its brand. When you make the essence of something so crystal clear that it instantly connects to the audiences you're trying to engage, whether your own people or your customers. We're headquartered in New York and we have offices around the world. In fact, we have multiple regions represented today. And finally, we wanna share a little bit about our culture because it's one of the things that we take great pride in. We talk a lot about being smart, nice, unstoppable, and inclusive. But I think it's the unique combination of unstoppable and nice that you don't find everywhere and that we really treasure here at Siegel & Gill. We are a full-service branding firm with a complete suite of services to help our clients navigate a variety of branding and business challenges. Ultimately, the work we do shapes the brand experiences that employees feel inside an organization and customers and partners experience on the outside. That's the lens through which we see the work we do. When you've been around for more than 52 years, you work across a lot of different industries and help create or shape some of the world's largest and most well-known brands, from strategy and design to activation. And we're proud to have helped some of the organizations you see here create powerful brand foundations and experiences. What we're seeing as we're working with our clients today is that there is less space and less time 
to convey what a brand stands for and what makes it unique and stand out. We've all gone from watching 60 second ads on 55 inch televisions to 15 second TikToks on five inch phones. One of the documentaries I watched a couple years ago was on the Fire Festival. And there was a lot of things that stood out as crazy to me about that scam music festival. But one of the things that really stuck with me was their marketing tactic that their social media agency um, kind of came up with. Essentially what they did is they hired 400 influencers to post the same bright orange block on Instagram at the same time. The impact of which would be to stop the scroll, right? So we have brands resorting to lack of content <laughs> to actually make an impact in today's world. As brands continue to evolve in the response to this digital world, we look at a transition like this and see that many have lost their distinction. And in a lot of ways we think are losing their soul. We see logo after logo of sans serif type with capitalization and color almost being the only levers a brand can pull to send any kind of unique message. And they're not very powerful levers at that. This has implications for us branders. Long gone are the days where brand elements like your logo, your tagline, your communications were enough to convey your unique point of view. What matters more now are the tools that allow for genuine engagement from CRM systems to branded content. We also see that CMOs are being asked to do more in response to this shift. On the back of the pandemic, which made digital commerce, of course, and digital experiences table stakes across industries, no matter what industry you are in, we see that Forrester reports a 15% increase in marketers who have purview over customer experience. But there's a challenge here because research from Gartner shows us those same marketers don't feel equipped to be effective in the space of customer experience. We see two thirds report that they don't have the capabilities to execute in this space. We think this might be why, one of the reasons why, we see many marketers still thinking about customer experience as experiential marketing, which you know, most often comes to life in these one-off activations that don't add any real value for the customer and don't drive real business impact. Take this activation meant to promote JetBlue's direct flights from New York to Palm Springs. Great Times Square activation, people are meant to break stuff and take photos and stuff like this can create buzz. Sure, get some posts on social media, but this can feel disconnected from the actual experience somebody has with JetBlue. And again, it doesn't provide any meaningful value to the customer. And when we think about these sorts of activations, not only do they not add real value, they can be very expensive to produce. And of course, with the talk of the coming recession, I think we're all feeling that the big ad spending days are gone. We're starting to think about those 2023 budgets, planning, but those budgets are feeling tighter and marketers are having to make tough decisions about where to spend. Where do you invest the budget you do have so that it can make the most impact? One cheap and increasingly popular tactic is digital advertising. 
because it's so easy to find people these days. But there's a downside to that. I'm going to share a story about when I, over the summer, was needing to buy a dress for a wedding. I am not a fashionista. I am not big into shopping. So, of course, I turned to trusty Google. And I look and search for cocktail dresses. And in, in a matter of mere minutes, I pull up my Instagram feed and I have ad after ad after ad of dress manufacturer. And so many of them looked appealing. And I was like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. But at the same time, I did not know if I could trust any of these brands. I didn't know who to trust. And it was so hard for, for these brands to really stand out. This similar fate befell Caitlin Bristow of former Bachelorette fame when she saw an ad for this fetching dress dress on the left here on Instagram. But what showed up on her doorstep was nothing like that ad. Uh, what you see on the right is fabric with some print on it. No embellishment, no beautiful pearls. And of course, she took to Instagram. She shared about her experience, and there was comment after comment about people who'd had similar Instagram fails. It is impossible to know which of these brands you can trust in today's um, kind of Instagram easy access world. But this deterioration of trust is much larger. It is much harder for people to, to know who to trust from an institutional level. And we see a same trust gap in our businesses today. This means that now more than ever, brands are judged not only by what they promise, but by what they do. And this is really leading to a paradigm shift being required in our organizations. Marketers can no longer be the sole owners of promise making and promise delivering. What we have to do is really enlist and collaborate across the functions of our organizations to create memorable experiences that deliver value to customers, no one-off activations. And, and Gretchen's gonna talk a little bit more about how to make this shift in your organization later on, because we all know what it looks like when brands are able to achieve this type of collaboration. You get standout signature experiences that create lasting impact with your customers. Take Apple's unboxing experience that really treats its product like gifts, almost creating the sense of anticipation before you even interact with the product itself. You think about a brand like Southwest who really leverages their people to consistently deliver on their signature fun-loving service you know, in their experience, whether that's the decorated gates for Halloween they have in the terminal, or of course the unique Rhapsody songs that the flight attendants sing for their safety announcements. To achieve something like this requires collaboration with HR, collaboration with your training and development team, hiring from uh, the start for this type of person. And then we have an example like Tesla, who of course completely disrupted the car sales experience. Instead of dealerships, they have showrooms. Instead of pushy dealers, they have the ability to buy or lease through their website. In fact, I leased my Tesla while sitting on my couch watching the Great British Bake Off. Instead of the traditional five hour process, it took me five minutes. And there's commercial value to delivering these types of experiences. Tesla's success is no secret. And they've, what we see is they've been able to steal share from other luxury brands. In fact, if you look at 
the sales of mid-size luxury cars in 2021. The electric Model 3 outsold all other mid-size cars, electric and combustion engine. Huge for, for Tesla here. So how do these brands do it? What, you know, how do we unlock that, that magic? And what they do is they go beyond the marketing department. With their brand promise as their foundation, as that guiding light, they bring multiple groups together to envision and create these signature experiences that make a lasting impact. So how can you get there? Jared and Gretchen will share some practical lessons that you can take forward. So the first key area that we want to zoom into here kind of set up very nicely by Katie. And you saw a lot of those different moments in time from a lot of those brands and how they kind of connect through different kind of milestones in people's lives. One of the biggest kind of connectors across a brand is ultimately the customer and the journey that they take with you and the rest of the people that surround their lives. So we're going to zoom in a little bit into thinking about the journey, how you can use this tool within your work to enable strategic and creative results. So the first thing is let's align on this journey. The journey illustrates how people interact with the brand to achieve their goals or not over long periods of time. You can zoom in and zoom out, but what we recommend and prefer to think about is think about that customer life cycle from the very beginning when they're not aware of you all the way to they're very loyal and deeply engaged and advocating for you. So you have the ability to kind of zoom in and go deeper into those zones. But when you think of the whole life cycle, that's the bridge that can bring your stakeholders together for fruitful conversation. The other point is understanding that journeys are not just for kind of research and kind of planning. These are opportunity and growth tools. These are tools you can really use to zoom in and kind of create unique moments, quick pilots to innovative, transformative platforms, products, environments, communications. And the last thing I think the last few years has taught us is that they don't stand static. People change, their lives change, their expectations and needs evolve. So how do you kind of take this journey-driven approach, use this as a living framework for you to collaborate in, check back in on how you're doing, and consistently look for opportunities in small to large ways? But when you think about constructing a journey, there's a kind of quick couple elements to keep in mind. Uh, they can use a variety of elements, um, but here are some top ones that we use to help uh, brands build for the long term. The most important one is understanding those behaviors. What behaviors is the customer going through, different channels, different touch points with your brand and others to other people in their personal network? Because this is a very brand-driven approach, the emotions are mission critical to understand that bond. So what we look for in those touch points is how are people feeling before, during, and after. But a lot of times the brand can help work with different teams in technology or sales for functional needs. Sometimes people just need something that's really informative, functional, and easy to focus on, but we just haven't had to pay attention yet or invest in a quick pilot. The last two are really the, under, the undertone for growth and planning uh, for drivers and motivators to know what's gonna help them interact with a given new experience. It's important to know what's driving them today and ultimately what you're hoping to hone in on that brings all of these things together are those pain points that will help unlock opportunities. So what are those challenges people are facing? What friction is there within your experience that you need to pay very close attention to? 
So you may be wondering, you know, I'm a, I feel like I have to do so much research to inform this kind of an approach to thinking about all the different moments and touch points and needs for customers of all types, partners you may have, but there's lots of quick wins you can do here. First one is you're probably already sitting on a load of data. You may just not know how to apply it in this kind of framework. So you may be looking at your channels, what kind of analytics there are. You may have a voice of customer study. You're probably collecting qualitative feedback that you can kind of sticky note into a specific phase of a journey. Or you, in a B2B environment, you may have customer advisory groups, people who are really engaged in your brand that can give you really pointed examples of where there's friction and where there's fire. The others are obviously looking at primary research. We do a lot of this work for in-depth interviews, um, shadowing people along, doing a survey. We use a methodology called Pinpoint to help really examine the value of given touch points within your brand's ecosystem. Ultimately, you can use some quick wins, some day-long sessions to co-create with experts inside your organization and maybe bring in some outside perspectives. That's always recommended to bring in fresh thinking to challenge those rituals and norms that you have. And sometimes it can feel a little scary, but bringing the customer into the journey mapping process is actually the most effective. It may require a facilitator help you out, but you can actually bring them right into the process and give you the data firsthand. For us, these are very valuable tools, uh, such as journey maps, but it really helps you deliver a lot of value because it helps reinforce a customer first approach to your brand and building that out and driving value. It really helps, as we said, unify your organization. If everyone's here driving effectiveness, growth, different KPIs, the customer is most likely one of the key central points of focus. And lastly, it can ignite innovation, not huge innovation all the time, small innovation trying new things, experimenting, and know exactly where that's going to show up from a customer's vantage point. Now, we're going to show you a little bit of an example, something we probably all have gone through in the past few years. If not, we probably should, is looking at kind of a primary care brand. We're thinking of a medical brand to use as a scenario to paint a picture of this journey, to map the current state, how people are potentially dissatisfied with their current primary care doctor and team, and they may be looking for a new solution, but what's gonna motivate them to participate in this new kind of solution? Because this medical brand is one that's uh, trying to build something that simplifies the future of holistic health, not just urgent care needs or when you have a boo-boo, this is about providing wellness-driven approach so that you prevent those uh, negative situations from happening in your life. So they're curious about what people are interacting with today and how they can capture, engage, and drive loyalty through the life cycle. So don't mind this expansive framework of the journey just yet. I'll walk you through it. But when you're thinking about building out kind of like a journey tool, these are modular approaches that we use to segment key information and make sure that when we plot this out on a big screen, put it up in a room for collaboration, that there's plenty of room for building. The most important thing you need to understand is who are you designing this journey for? For this scenario of a patient, we're picking a parent who's an overanalyzer, someone who has to weigh a lot of their own decisions, but has to take care of a lot of other folks too. So they sometimes come last. They want a sense of control. They really are trying to find a sense of harmony and balance in their health that they haven't had in a while. And their current provider isn't giving them. And they have a lot of goals, as you see here in the top, that they want to achieve, but really it comes down to finding this peace in health. 
for this kind of person so they don't have to overanalyze and they can be much more proactive. They want to be, they just don't have the people and the tools currently. So it's always important to bring your core customer profile or profiles into this process. So you know what moments or interactions are shared, but also what's unique to each one. And then you've, you may have seen in journey maps, different obviously phases and steps, but you're seeing there in the white boxes, we don't use the funnel. We're gonna use how people describe going through this kind of process in a bit more of a human tone. So obviously people are gonna go through an awakening moment. They're gonna have a trigger event and they're gonna start thinking about their health more seriously, going into a discovery mode where they're looking for key information, trust and validation. They're obviously gonna get an evaluation from a new uh, medical professional, a new doctor, and obviously they're gonna give new treatment, potentially new plans, so they have to adhere to it until right then they have a new trigger event and they go all the way back to the beginning. So again, doing it in a non-funnel-based approach typically helps get you in that real customer mindset. And now, as you're seeing in the middle part, the heart of this, these are your behaviors that you're seeing people go through. The green here at the top is when people feel a real sense of joy, meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and then as you scan down, certain behaviors drive other emotions that are causing a lot of friction, pain, overwhelming nature, or frustration. So for this kind of map, what we like to do is see what's actually driving positive and negative. And not only are you looking for what's detail in the moment, but you're looking for what's kind of connecting these different interactions over time. So for this kind of person, you want to also think about documenting what they're not doing with you. So in the first two phases, that could be a lot of trigger events generated from the news that ca cause a lot of frustration, trying to get a hold of different trusted advice and information from professional sources, communities, and family members, but everyone's giving them different results. They start to feel different symptoms and they're unsure. I'm sure everyone here has been to WebMD or some flavor of that, and that can you know, cause another trigger event of oh my gosh, do I have something way worse than I thought I did? Or I'm totally fine, this is no big deal, I'm just gonna shake it off. These kind of moments cause a lot of friction where brands can start to really show up in meaningful ways because when it comes down to dissatisfaction with let's say their current provider, current brand that they're engaged with it, or their doctor, they're not getting back to them, they're not giving them the tools they need, and they're also not helping them understand the bigger picture of their health, they're just there for urgent needs. So as they start to check out a new doctor in the evaluation phase, some things start to feel a lot better. Certain things when they visit the office feel much more welcoming. The anxiety starts to go down of the anticipation of meeting a new doctor. But also it tends to spike a little bit when you start asking those serious questions. So how do you start thinking about new ways to frame those anxiety-inducing or reflective questions and start to bring up new opportunities? And ultimately this doctor is gonna go into a plan for them, giving them different treatments, connecting them with the pharmacy or different specialists or follow-up actions so that they can stay on a new healthy lifestyle plan that they didn't have before. But this takes work, it takes connection, collaboration, different tools to help them do it. And at the bottom of the page here, what you're seeing is different functional needs they have throughout these phases, as well as different emotional drivers. These are things we like to keep in mind to give us context and priority for what's actually happening in these different touch points. So this is just a quick zoomed out view of a journey like this, but this is something you can map right on a whiteboard, right on a digital tool. You can even try it in PowerPoint or Microsoft Word and give yourself a go. The important thing is to start thinking about what people are actually going through 
and start understanding where your brand can start optimizing. But really, you need to start to zoom into different kinds of moments because not all moments are created equal. Certain ones carry a lot more weight to that person, to your brand, to the business growth that you're trying to achieve. So how do you start to zoom into those things? What we like to do is we like to take each moment with a collaborative team and start thinking about how different stakeholders inside your organization can kind of come together to have a shared conversation about each of these unique moments, each of these touch points, and you do a little bit of a deep dive. So really, what is that specific need within that moment? Where are they interacting? What, how, what's the level of pain that they're going through? And what is the priority of the touch point that they're using? Is it very highly valued or is it something they're not considering? So everyone has a shared understanding of what's happening in detail in this moment. You could flourish this with different research if you have it or different mood board or video. But really the conversation you want to have is, is this a priority for us? And that comes down to about five key areas. Your brand, does this directly help deliver on the promise we're making? The pillars we have or principles we have, the things we stand by, our values? And ultimately, does this unlock a bigger strategy for us and help really deliver that? Impact, you know, what is this gonna create for our business in the short term to the long term? How desirable is this to the customer? Do they have a real strong need for it? Or in the marketplace, is this something where we can stand out? It can be a proof point for our brand, a unique differentiator that drives us to a new field in the category to not just be best practice, but to be that category shaper. And ultimately delivery. A lot of times we ignore that at this phase of journey mapping and thinking about what's most important, but can we foresee this um, working operationally, financially? Is it gonna be feasible to do a pilot in something like this moment? to make an impact? Or is it going to be really, really complicated? Those are honest discussions to have amongst yourselves to kind of go through this checklist. So then you zoomed out and you we decided to pick five moments. You can't a special moment and really drive a lot of focus to 20 things. You'll never get things done. You want to figure out for your brand, what are those key five areas where you're going to really win? You're going to stand out, provide people with such exceptional value it may be unexpected, very emotional, could be functional, but it needs to drive a memorable event. So they always keep you in mind and keep coming back. So let's say we pick these key five here and we start to move forward. So you did your journey mapping phase. You started to understand how the customer comes in the journey all across your organization, but now you have a different role to take on. We're starting to shape, what are we gonna do with this information? Now it's time to think about your role as an orchestrator, someone who helps conduct, facilitate, and manage this process and always brings it back to the brand's promise, the strategy, the needs of our people, and what we can really get done together. You're not necessarily the owner and the doer, you're the orchestrator. So when you're thinking this kind of way, it requires us to generate opportunities and experience solutions and really reorient your mindset by bringing in some of these fresh minds. So looking here on the right, you start to see, well, who should I start to bring in? Who could I help bring into this kind of a process of creating solutions? One is you have a lot of expertise across different levels of your organization. People who really know this customer really well, know that moment or touch point or environment really well, know what it really takes to get it done operationally. Then you're gonna have leaders who have a big vision, who wanna be a part of the process, process and share their thinking. You also may have creators 
a lot of people who need to deliver on whatever we recommend so they have input from the beginning and obviously you want to as we mentioned earlier outside specialists are important a lot of times you can be very focused on the inside of this core team someone's got to help bring your thinking out and reframe it to come back in so when you take an approach like this uh, it's a diversity of perspectives will yield unexpected results It'll drive shared ownership and develop a real sense of community around the solution early, creates a more efficient flow of socialization and early buy-in. And it also makes sure that you put the brand and the experience at the center of these decisions that you want to make for the future. So you know the right moments to invest because we know you can't invest in everything. So a couple of quick things to start thinking about how do you kind of get this kind of approach set up to start solutioning right the first thing is you want to set up your tribes you can have one pod or tribe of people or several but they need to be cross-functional and they need to have clear plans that are flexible enough to kind of go outside the box but you need to have kpis and rigor so to know what they're driving towards you want to be that facilitator for the team to generate this fresh thinking and working sessions but you want to use not just uh, the examples that you have from the journey map, but bring in some other prompts, provocations, or take people out of the office, out of the WebEx, and then back into the world so they can get their mind into a different place. A lot of times that helps unstick a lot of uh, traditional thinking. And the latter two are how you're going to get it done. You got to help experiment and prototype some of these solutions, make non-creatives feel very creative in the process, put a marker a sharpie in their hand and say what does that look like anyone can come up with an idea and anyone can bring it to life but if you prototype it and make it real you can start to put it in front of customers so you know if it's going to work or not early a lot of times there's a lot of time of dwell and thinking about what's the right thing to do but just let your customers help you with that bring them in for rapid imperfect validation or if you have a real prototype or a real kind of concept that you want to bring to market put it into a formal kind of validation study so you know what the real impact is. So a couple of examples, bringing us back to the one of the moments we picked in this medical brand, it was a big important thing for them to think about this adjusting to this new healthy lifestyle at the end of the journey, very uncertain on how to do that. So the team got together and created an opportunity zone, which we like to do that kind of is a big overarching play space where you can play so it's flexible, but it has some rigor around it. So how might we be the go-to partner for planning and managing healthy lifestyle changes for the long haul? So you may wanna use provocations, a couple of examples, give some epic constraints. What to say if we had no locations to service people, we could only do it digitally. Or maybe it's not our brand. Let's think a bit differently. How would someone like a Disney do that or a Google do that? Or in this space, a topic is Amazon just came into the space with one medical. So how would they approach it? Or lastly, give yourselves radical capabilities, right? Think about like, hey, we're gonna go buy all the Starbucks locations in the country. And what are we gonna do if we had all those resources, all that space to service people on every block? What could that be like? But not only do you want provocations to start thinking about solutions, but you wanna get people out of their comfort zone. So go on a tour, you know, plan a couple of environments you wanna go check out that are way outside of your competitive space but similar enough to providing this kind of guidance to show you what the future of something similar and adjacent could be. Or another thing that we've done is almost create a digital or physical exhibit of what this customer's life is really like, very visceral, but also bring in their stories. Think about if you 
are doing any research, informal to formal, are you capturing video of that to make it very emotional and evocative to really bring their situation to life? So for us, as we move forward, we start to hunt for what we call, uh, you know, these signatures, hunting for these uniquely ownable brand experiences. And in New York, we have something called Forward Health that starts to do that in a very ownable way, using people, with the, using medical professionals, with the patients, and uh, intelligence and technology to give you real information for proactive health. So something they're doing that's unique, but what could you start searching for? What is a signature? For us, these are hallmark experiences that create a lasting impression for the brand to drive those long-term relationships. They need to really be value generators, not soft value, hard value. They need to be unique to your situation, your marketplace, but also memorable. And when we say memorable, that's almost one of the most important things on this page. To be memorable, you need to be really associated with a strong emotion, and it needs to be almost unexpected. When you bring those things together, you can create a memory. And when you do that with a valuable experience that's led by your brand, you can start to see tremendous impact, business impact, real impact that helps drive your short-term to long-term growth, but always delivers on the promise you're making. For us, we help partner a little bit on a big project with CVS Health. One of the pinpoint tools that I mentioned earlier on in the story used to evaluate different touch points in their ecosystem and their customer journey. The Minute Clinics, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, were one of the most valued touch points and something that people were looking to see a lot more out of. And CVS Health was experimenting with a lot of different forms of health services to bring to the forefront. Should they create another offering around that or bring things closer together? So what we helped them do is reimagine these as health hubs, places where the whole family could go to get a whole suite of services, get advice, urgent medical help, wellness tools, spaces, and experts for the youth all the way to the Medicare audience. So it was for everybody on your block, just for you. So if we go back to this approach that we were talking about earlier around provocations for this kind of medical brand, one of the things you can say is uh, focus on digital only. So we could be the all-in-one health partner. Some stakeholder said, we can have you know many time-boxed resources or, or tools, kind of like those language apps that helped you build quick language capabilities in minutes. Or you need to have 24-7 access to a medical team, not just of nurses and doctors, but specialists. And the brand needs to come to life in new and exciting ways, the voice, through conversation, and it needs to kind of capture your attention by keep coming back for pulse checks to make sure your doctor knows what's happening. So before your next visit, they have all the context. You don't have to go through as much of your memory to log with the doctor. You, they have it all from uh, right from one application. So what we did is we started to play around with this and start to see how something like that can come to life. Remember, you wanna visualize your signature moment, your signature experience. You wanna connect it to the customer, to the brand promise, to the impact you're making. And you wanna understand how you're gonna implement it. How, what's it gonna to take to get this thing right? And what's it gonna to take to manage for the long-term? So for us, one of the signatures that brings everything together for this medical brand is called Healthway. A holistic health planning and management platform that connects you to your medical teams for 24-7 care, visits online or schedule anytime, tap into your body, your mind, and your soul to get resources to help you stay ahead of your health, but track your progress along the way. Think about this as what you get from your financial planner or your wealth planner, but for your health. 
a health plan that's actually a plan. Something that gives you guidance and support for this behavior change moment, but brings in a lot of capabilities together, helps you need to align from an implementation perspective, like, hey, we already are planning a lot of technology, so we got to bring that together. We have to start planning new content. And our brand needs to go way more digital. So we're going to build a digital design system where this is our hero and all of our other tools and websites and apps can use this kind of system this new conversational, bright and modular approach. But also if our doctors and our nurses need to use it, we need to train them and teach them how to use it on that side of the platform. And we need to pilot this and get really good feedback so we know the best thing to do. But this is right on plan and this will help keep our patients happy, healthier and more connected to us for the long term. So if you wanna take an idea like this forward, three key things to keep in mind is you wanna drive impact in your organization. You want to establish that right pilot for the right customer type. You can't service all customers. You have to pick the right ones of priority to pilot with. Next, you got to align this to your brand, business, and the experience you want and make that an integrated plan for investment in that right pilot and then the long-term roadmap. And you need to take your organization, the whole organization, a lot of times along the way to demonstrate progress, get people really excited, get invested, but also this certain parts of these signatures can transform the way people interact with each other. So Gresham's gonna talk a little bit more about how the whole organization for the brand can really take these kind of moments and rally them every day. Thank you, Jared. So I hope by now we've convinced you that, you know, as a brand, you should really be thinking about delivery of that promise through experiences that are really meaningful and valuable. And um, of course, in these signature moments that Jared kind of highlighted, but not just there, every day, all the time. This is very important that you have that alignment. And we ask, well, who should do this? Sadly, there are no magic fairies and it's the people inside your organization. They're the only ones we have to make sure that we come together and we make this promise delivery happen. We like to think about those people first and foremost as humans and remember that and in two buckets. So there's the hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands employees working in your organization every day with such a wide range of expertise, skills and background. They are really important. They need to understand what that promise is that we're making. Why does it matter? And what do I do? do in my role, whatever big or small, to kind of further that and make sure we're making good on the promise that we're putting out there. And then crucially, there's that second group, your peers. So we've teased this up along the way here. Marketing cannot carry this alone. We really need in order to come together and fully and authentically deliver on this promise, a wide range of the expertise across these different disciplines and a leadership committed to it. So your peers in the C-suite are also a really important group to be tapping into. And I'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit about both of them. So first, let's talk about the people. They're going through so much change employees today as they go through their work from technology changes to changes in customer demands and expectations to changes in the way they work to budgetary constraints and meanwhile every hour every minute they're making decisions and choices and actions that will impact the delivery of that promise and so what we think about is how can we come in with brand to provide a bit of a steadying force, a bit of a filter, a bit of a true north for them to be thinking about what should I do amidst all this pressure? What's the right thing to keep focused on? And we find for our research that actually brand does provide that. It can be a steadying force, kind of calming the madness as they're going through their work daily. 
And investing in connecting your employees with the brand, it's really win-win. It studies them a bit amidst all the change, but it provides back to the organization a lot of value. So what we have on this slide here is from our World Simpress Brand Study. And in that study, we're able to identify that when organizations create brand champions, and we think about brand champions as employees who truly understand what the brand is about and equally are excited and engaged with that brand idea, those brand champions provide immense value back into the organization. So they are, as you can see on the slide, way more likely to handle unexpected problems. They contribute to a positive culture in the organization. They proactively bring new ideas to the table and they really take pride and advocate around the organization itself. So again, we see that if, if you can create these champions, it not only helps them, but helps you. If we turn to that other group, your peers, what we see is as a brand trying to stay relevant, there are a few themes that just keep coming up again and again. So one is this desire for really integrated solutions. And the second is to be a brand that remains relevant by innovating and staying ahead of the curve. And both of these require horizontal collaboration. It simply cannot be done by one function on its own. So as the peer group of the other C-suite leaders, we have to think about how do we come together? And it's not easy because traditional org design has somehow not caught up with these expectations of horizontal collaboration. Unfortunately, organizations tend to be designed in silos. They tend to be managed and run that way. So we have to fight against that and find a way to come together. Interestingly, we came along a statistic in our research that shows that marketing is not always the one to prioritize this collaboration. So as you can see here, not always the top priority, but that sets forward a huge opportunity and dare we say a kind of um, call to action for the marketing function to lean in. Echoing back to what Jared said of being the orchestrator, there's really an opportunity for marketing to lean forward and think about joining people up. And so, yes, these colleagues, they're those humans, too. How do we do this with them? Well, you know, it, again, no fairies and no magic wands. So sadly, the idea is you just connect with them as humans. Listen to them, go lean into where their expertise can play into what we're trying to achieve around the brand. Find out what are their priorities and challenges, their interests, what do they really believe in? Connect with them as humans. When we build these trusting relationships and invite them in to be a part of delivering on the brand promise, we, we find in our work that it really works wonders. They're quite interested in being a part of the story and carrying it as a leader in the organization. And so once we've hopefully got them on board, what we do at Siegel and Gale anyway is invite them to take an honest look at the organization, the inside, the culture and its operations, and assess how well does this actually support promise delivery. We do that with a simple model. We have three kind of buckets of it. There's capabilities, which are basically the skills, both at an individual and organizational level, and how they're put to use through the decision making and actions and goals. And we look at that bucket. How is that working in support of the brand promise? Second bucket, we call it connection. So that's the more intangible things, but it's what do people really believe around here? What are the values? What does leadership prioritize and role model? How do we communicate and even build community together? And the last bucket is the, the more hard and tangible stuff. The, the systems, our products and services, our structure and our process. So we invite these leaders collectively to take a look and then we see how well we're lined up to really support. In some cases, we'll find gaps. 
And that's the beginning point of coming together as a leadership group and saying, what are some of the things we might need to shift? How can we better, better support what we're trying to achieve here ultimately? And we also find some strengths and that's important too, because then we know these are things that we need to honor and preserve and make sure that we keep in line to keep us successful as a brand. And we know this is really hard, but I always like to share an example of like someone's done it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Microsoft here. You know, most of us know about Microsoft, but if we go back to 2014, you know, they were really struggling to compete with competitors like Apple and Google. Their promise at the time was a family of devices made to empower people, but they were really flagging around delivering on that promise. And, and I would argue, you know, very impossible to do so, given that they were a highly siloed organization structurally. They they were marked by internal competition between the businesses and units. They had a culture that didn't really empower their own people. So to have a promise about empowering people and not empower your own people, not sitting perfectly well, and really a software focused and discrete product strategy happening. So that's 2014. Now let's fast forward into the last couple of years. Microsoft, even this year, the most valuable company in the world. And I think it has everything to do with aligning their culture and organization to the idea of that promise. You can see in the little box here some of the things that they worked hard on shifting and around capabilities, moving from a product focus to people focus, really focusing on meaningful partnerships in the industry, less competition and more partnership, and really thinking about goals that targeted learning and improving on connections, leaders that model a growth mindset, a behavior pattern of constant feedback, and really building an inclusive culture in a one Microsoft mindset, and around some of the systems, products that were developed with customer first and customer at the center, and you know collaborative structures in organization and process. So we think it's worth it, we know it's hard, but when we get everything aligned, it's that much easier to deliver on your brand promise. So how do we do this? Well, three simple ideas. Make it meaningful. So I mentioned a few times, these, these, these organizations are made of humans. We have to talk to them in a way that relates to them. We have to find out what matters to them and what they're into, and then connect the idea of this brand promise in their role, making it meaningful and personal. Make it actionable. So be really clear. These are the kind of priorities and things we should be thinking about in your daily work that will either support or not support delivery of the promise and then make it together. So we've talked about that quite a bit through this presentation. It's not something that can be done by one function. We all have to buy into, we own a little piece of this and we wanna work on it together. So for marketers, what does this mean? Well, we think there's a little bit of Elsa here. You need to adopt some Elsa and let it go, but there's also being a little Frodo. When you're given this mission of something you need to do, realizing that you can't do it alone and finding your fellowship of the ring to go with you. And yeah, so just as, just as summing up, these are the things that we've talked about here, just recapping them. Number one, build it into the customer journey. Number two, own your role as orchestrator. And number three, enroll others so that your work endures. And now we would love to open it up to some questions. All right, thank you both Gretchen and Jared, I hope, uh... Everyone tuned in today found lots of value in uh, what we have to say. So let's take a look at some of the questions that have, have come in. And I'm going to start with, with one that goes back to something Jared talked about. want to make sure that kind of this guidance comes through because I do think it's very pr a practical tool that, that teams can use. So Jared, you know, you kind of identified those five moments of the journey in our medical brand. 
And the question was, how did you arrive at those five to zoom in on? Well, that's a great question. Yeah. So the that one slide that we shared right before those fab five had those a little bit more deeper context to each of those moments. So not just sticking at the headline. Uh, the first thing you have to do is really get into the context of that specific moment for how your brand is showing up. What are people doing? Where are they doing it? How bad or good, how bad is the pain or how good is that moment? And then ultimately you get into the second half of almost that like kind of scorecard exactly here where you're prioritizing. You have to kind of do these for each of your core moments that we have listed here. So we would go through this exercise in a working session plus a follow-up environment to go through then the five key priority topics. And they're simply listed here, but the discussion for each is quite nuanced. So again, how is this deliver for your brand? What do we see as the business impact of focusing on a moment like this? How important is this to the customer and what they desire, what they need to either fix or create a new experience? How unique and valuable is this in the marketplace for you to not be a fast follower, just best practice, but to shape a category? And ultimately on the delivery side, what do we expect some of the needs, challenges and timing and resources, what it take to make something like this possible in just a moment by moment context. Again, you're trying to get this cursory understanding very early on so you know where you wanna put the heat. So by answering these questions, if the answer is yes, it will drive loyalty, we'll get access to new services. Yes, the customer really needs this. Yes, it'll be unique in the market, but we have new startups piloting something similar that we want to beat them to and be the best at. And yes, we already have investment lined up for doing certain things from a digital transformation initiative that's already underway. So this aligns with our technology integration plans. So this is just the front end of that. So because so this one is a green light, it would be a good one to move forward as a as one of the five. Yeah, and, and I I assume we need yeses on all five of these, let's call them filters for decision making. That would be correct. Another question, the million dollar question, I would say, and maybe Gretchen and, and Jared can both speak a little bit about this. Why should our colleagues care about the brand promise, right? Brand for many years has been the the B word, the the big bad brand word. How do we get them to care? You wanna go ahead, Greg? I was like, uh, uh, sure, I will start. Well, I think first and foremost, it's because it's your organization, it's reputation, and ultimately it's, it's success. You know, I, what we're seeing is this trend that actually the, the organization itself and that promise it makes needs to be delivered through what you do every day, out serving into customers. And so ultimately, if we get that right or we get that wrong, it's gonna impact the financial success of the organization. And so I hope people can start to see that. It's, the brand is not just the logo anymore. It's not just this thing over here that we promised or even you know put up. It's, it's real about the way we're operating what we deliver. And I think the second part is, as Jared mentioned with some of his examples, to do that, we have to bring in your expertise and function. Like we, those, the signatures, just as a highlight, they can't be executed without cross-disciplinary input from different parts of the organization. So we want them to see that they have a role and that's um, crucial to, to delivering what we need yeah. to do. What, what would you say? Yeah. The quick things there are, um, sometimes brand can be abstract so make it concrete so i like gretchen's make it actionable make it real so a lot of times making it real is showing how consistent 
and visionary and day-to-day you're delivering on this promise to show how that is creating either positive business impact or holding you back. Then it's all about, well, how do we show up compared to others? And then you start to show brands in your category and how they're performing those that have a strong brand aligned culture experience to that promise. And then add a category best ofs, um, showing where you could be if you really rallied behind the brand. So picking the best of in several categories to build the case and make it really tangible. So you're not as abstract, you're really concrete, tying the brand promise to the experience and ultimately to the impact and culture. And you got to have to facilitate those three to four key areas for a lot of stakeholders to understand what we're talking about. Great. Thank you both. I'm going to ask another question that goes a little bit back to uh, the, the journey conversations, I think. And the question is, when you're looking at kind of achieving a brand impression, how do you measure hard value versus soft value? And I think, um, Jared, this is something that you had kind of talked a little bit about. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of times when we're in these moments and you let's say you have a touch point or a moment where someone's, let's say, interacting just with your dot com is and people use, let's say, oh, we have this many visitors. That's really great. That's going to give you an idea directionally of where you're going and can show indicators of some initial success. But then more on the business impact hard data side is how many of those became leads. Out of those leads, how many of those created a commercial transaction with you? And then how many added on over time? So you're trying to take more soft data. Let's say it is visits or time spent, trying to correlate that with more of your more CRM-y business intelligence data so you know what the real impact of, of that is. So I think that's talking a little bit about the marriage of soft and hard data and how they need to come together. Here's one that I think kind of comes up a lot in different contexts around brand. And it's it's really about kind of the need for this in B2B versus B2C kind of organizations and brands. So if we think about these signature experiences, creating these brand-led experiences, how does that apply to a B2B brand versus a B2C brand in your minds? Mm. I think uh, there tends to be a lot more, and Gretchen, please, please join in. I think there tends to be a lot higher expectation in the consumer marketplace for more unexpected experiences that move a lot faster. And sometimes in a B2B context, change kind of doesn't come for a while and then comes like a hammer like a Thor hammer. <laughs> and it really, sorry, I'm just trying to build on my, my Disney from before. I think that's the moment for a lot of B2B brand leaders and experience leaders to think about the, one of the key frames is like B2B to C. So think about your end user, your end customer, what that business that you're working with is serving for them and how to ultimately motivate that business buyer or influencer with the right kind of content or environment or platform to engage in a more meaningful consumer grade experience to hold yourselves accountable to a higher standard because we are all people who all live consumer lives just in a business context. Gretchen, anything to add there? Well, I was going to say something a bit similar. I think interesting, I, I find in our work, it's almost easier 
to delight in coming up with the, the signatures in the B2B context, uh, simply because it's not always the standard. And so when we really invest and take some effort to make something like that work, it really goes over so amazingly well. And I think that that links to what you said, Jared, which is, you know, people don't always expect that or prioritize that those signature experiences in B2B context. But when you do, it really makes a difference. So it's always yeah. The last thing, Gretchen, I know you'd agree from a cultural human perspective is, dear B2B brand leaders here, please do not forget about the emotions of the clients and customers you serve. They have them. Yes. They matter. <laughs> and affecting those can drive a transformative impact for you. So please okay. consider that, not just the functional needs. Customers are people too. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you, everyone. On behalf, on behalf of the team at Siegel and Gale, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you again, Gretchen and Jared, in joining me for this discussion. You can listen to this conversation because I'm sure it was so thrilling. You want to listen to it again, as well as all of our past episodes by subscribing to the Siegel and Gale Says podcast. You can find it at Apple. And, you know, the last thing I, we want to leave you with is with uncertainty and changing consumer attitudes and behaviors, we believe branding is more vital than, than ever before. We love solving complex brand challenges. And many people think about engaging a brand firm like Siegel and Gale when they're considering a rebrand. And we certainly can help with that. But we can also help when companies are looking to optimize their product portfolio and go-to-market strategy. When you're seeking insights into what drives customer acquisition and loyalty and how to create and build experiences that drive that impact. Uh, if you're thinking about launching a new product or service, and even if you want to attract talent and improve employee engagement. So think of us if you have any of those things on your priority list for 2023, you know where to find us. Thank you so much. We hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Siegel and Gale Says. You can read more thought leadership pieces and explore our work at SiegelGale.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. While you're at it, please leave us a review. See you next time.